So uh, during this song, we get catches of glimpses of uh, Sarah making her way through the labyrinth, and she gets the bright idea of using her lipstick to write arrows on the ground. Like a grease pencil? Yeah. I really like that. Not not because of the idea of using the thing, but I, I it like they do a composite shot of somebody lifting up the brick that she's just marked and flipping it over. And it's like a person. It's not a puppet. It's like, eh, I don't know. That's a really cool shot. <laughs> yeah, I guess they must have like, you know, I don't know what they did to get that, but it was, it looked like a little person that was really small flipping it over. That's actually probably one of my lesser favorite moments, even though I think it's really smart of her to think of that. Mm-hmm. Um, Because I probably wouldn't think of it <laughs> if I were in the labyrinth and I wouldn't have any lipstick, lipstick on me either. Right. But um, something about that moment, for some reason, I never really liked. Maybe because I thought it was unfair as a kid. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it is super unfair, yeah. Yeah. None of the may, I mean, none of the labyrinth makes sense anyway, so like go back and erase those arrows or something like that. My question is, why did that little guy seem to have an Italian accent? I don't know. There's a few people, there's a few characters in there that have weird accents, <laughs> just randomly. Yep, Spanish. Um, yeah, like, and I, it was probably just to add to the different characters in mm. the, in the labyrinth just to add like, oh, this one talks like this and this one talks like that. Like just part of the diversity of the world that they were creating. But yeah, <laughs> he did sound funny. Yeah. <laughs> I really like that part. But uh, that's that's all going taking place during the song. When the song ends, she finally realizes that None of her marks are there. Someone's been there. And she, you know, one of the many times she says, that's not fair. <laughs> like, I don't know. I, I really like that there's all these things happening behind her that only the audience would be able to notice. Because she doesn't know why her stuff's not there. So it's unfair. Yeah, it is unfair. It's, it's, the odds are tipped way against her in this scenario. She has none of the, uh help that she would need to get through and even the few things she figures out on her own are just <laughs> taken away from her. Yeah. Um so I can understand why she doesn't like Jareth because <laughs> she's, you know, trying to get her brother back or whatever and he's he's like, "No, just let me have him. You wanted him taken away and mm. I can offer you your dreams, but she's thinking everything I do, you're sabotaging me. So of course I don't like you. <laughs> yeah. Well, after that, that's that's when she comes across the doors, right? Not not the knockers, but the first right. set of doors. The guarded, first set of doors guarded by the two people. Who, one of them tells the truth. One of them lies all the time. Mm -hmm. I can never figure out if what she asks is the right question. It is. It is, yeah. But she still gets messed up anyway, which confused me as a kid because the right answer didn't turn out to be the right way either. 
But I think we were even watching the Ricky Gervais show recently, and it was that one where they were talking about that yeah, riddle, and it was the same answer. Yeah. And, and it makes sense rationally, but you doubt that she made the right call there because she falls into the pit of the helping hands after that. Mm-hmm. The creepy helping hands. <laughs> it's just such a, like, bizarre thing to see. I mean, along with everything else, all the puppeteers and everything in this movie, you just think to yourself, like, how did these people get cast? <laughs> I, I did. I thought, where did they find all these hand people that could do these weird hand motions? I assume it's some sort, some form of miming or shadow puppetry or just experience in that, having to be expressive with your hands all the time. Uh, and they've got those in every state, just like the Art Institute, the... The mime and shadow. No, they're all in Los Angeles. So, well, I, don't, I don't know where they actually filmed it. I think they filmed it in the UK, so maybe they're all UK people. All these British hand puppet master guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Doing their Punch and Judy shows. They have to be masters with their hand movements. <laughs> They've all got, like, not nice voices. They're all like, wah, wah. Which way do you want to go? You know, scary stuff. It, it, it's it's kind of freaky, you know, making those faces out of hands all of a sudden. You know their hands, like their mouths moving and they're, you know, making faces that can be recognized. Ones with facial hair and eyes that are expressive. It's it's That's creepy. Again, just ideas that were bigger than I could have even imagined mm -hmm. at that age. It, it introduced to you the idea of this riddle of like what you would ask. If you knew that it, it's like a variable question, like a math question almost. Yeah. But then she falls into this pit of hands. Just freaking, what do you call that? When there's like, when it's not a part of a body, like a limb. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like these disembodied like hands Bunch that are cousin it, or reaching. No, not cousin it, sorry. The thing. <laughs> <laughs> What's cousin it, the hair? Cousin it's the hair. <laughs> Bunch of kissing. Me, me, me. A hair pit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the idea that there's just these hands all sticking out somewhere, like like the little, what do you call it, in your throat. Yeah, they're that, like, like little, yeah. You know what I mean? Those, yes. Those things that are supposed to feel if something gets caught in your right. throat. yeah. Like, why? That's gross. It's crazy somebody thought it's of like that. It's like some biological throat. Yeah, it is. Like, it's like a throat with these things that are grasping. You're like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. And they're just like there. They yeah. must be there all the time. And like, people aren't going in this dungeon all the time. It's creepy to think of what's on the outside of that. Yeah. They're yeah. just the hands in this tube, and they're pinching her and grabbing her and dropping her and catching her, and their faces talking to her. Yeah. The voice is, you know, the voice was an idea somebody... I, I mean, I'd be surprised if the voice was the same idea as the person who did the hands. Right, but not. But it's crazy. Yeah. It is crazy. They probably recorded the voice first and had the people do their hands so that they could match it up to the words. Yeah, that's what they typically do in animation, so that makes sense. But, yeah, I unless, never... Yeah, unless the voice actor was just over the side. Yeah, who knows? Never in my wildest dreams would I have imagined in a movie seeing actual physical hands um, by themselves in this weird tunnel 
just doing these things. Like, just pretty out there. Bizarre. Creepy. Gross. Yeah. And it was, it's always creepy, that part. Yeah. She doesn't know what's going on. Yeah. They make her choose. Does she want to go up or does she want to go down? She chooses down. And that, that logically makes sense to me. She already knows what's up. It's those doors away. And, and if this was the right door, then who knows what's in the wrong door? You know, who knows? I have plenty of time to think about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I think that, yeah, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because her choices up till this point, no matter what she's chosen to do, has end up being, ended up being even worse than the situation she's already in. But... I have wondered if she chose up, if the helping hands would have put her up onto the path that you can see just beyond that pit she fell into, mm. which would have possibly been the right way. Yeah. But down. Yeah. So she chooses down, which I think is also, like, again, it's just a, it's a, it's a not a fun place to have well, to wander around saying, in. When they, when they are saying she chose down, it's like. You made the wrong decision. You're going to die or something horrible is going to happen. It's scary, in my opinion. I probably felt that way the first time I watched it. Yeah. You know she's she ends up okay. She's just in a pitch black pit, right? And then we get to see Hoggle again. I guess he just hangs out in pits <laughs> when he's not spraying fairies. Hoggle is a weird character. <laughs> I mean, he's weird... He's nice to her and he wants to be her friend, but it's also kind of like he has a crush on her. Eventually, yeah, it seems that way. At first, it's almost like he's just kind of annoyed with her. And, yeah, we don't know what his motivation is. Yeah. But I do like this part where she meets him and he says they're in the oubliant. And you see all the cobwebs with the glitter in it. And he does that cool effect with the door is that when she after she gives him this uh the the jewelry yeah first she tries to talk him into helping her and he says i'm supposed to take you back to the beginning or whatever mm -hmm. and let me take you back home or whatever yeah but when she's talking to him he sees her bracelet yeah like, you like this kind of stuff. What is, what's it made of? Plastic? Plastic. Yeah, he's never heard of it before, but it's beautiful as far as he's concerned. That's funny. And that that adds, because you guys were, you and Aaron were talking about that when yeah. it happened after, because later David Bowie's like, what is this? Plastic? What can, you know, like, he knows what it is. How does he know what it is? Yeah, that was like, me and Aaron were talking about, like, if David Bowie's character, Jareth, like, used to just be a regular person in the regular world. Like, he knew things about the regular world that nobody else did. Mm. And, like, Huggle didn't know what plastic was, but he did. And we were saying, like, it would be funny if he was just, like, a businessman that had, like, a nine-to-five job and then, like, one day became the Goblin King yeah. of this other... <laughs> place. It's like the Santa Claus with Tim Allen. He killed the original Goblin King, put on his coat, and had to become the Goblin King. Before that it was uh, Johann Sebastian Bach. <laughs> Some other musician. <laughs> so, it was Chubb Oh, you know what it was? It was the Big Bopper. He didn't really die in that plane crash. 
I know what's going on. That's (laughs) creepy. So, yeah, yeah. So he says there's apparently no way out of the, as far as we can see, it's just a, it's a cave. The only way out is the way she came in, which was to fall down. But he puts a door on the wall, which is a super cool, fun effect. He opens one side, a bunch of stuff falls out. He closes and he's like, oh, janitor's closet or something like that, right? It's pots and pans. Yeah. And then he switches the door side, opens it again, and all of a sudden there's the outside world. It's like, ah, man. It's just cool. It's really cool. That's fun. This is like before, I mean... We didn't even know what CG was back then. Right. Like, I'm trying to think of, like, the first movies we saw with CG in it. I don't even know. There's CG in this movie, The Owl. Yeah, there's a little bit. There's a little bit. But, I mean, now now all of this would be CG. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I kind of... I've. I don't know if I've talked about this before on the podcast, but I don't really care for CG very much. It has to be something pretty unique for me to be interested in it. You mean like an entirely CG movie, though, right? Yeah. I pretty much don't want to see an entirely CG movie. Right. Yeah, she wouldn't go see Shrek 3 with me? Shrek the (laughs) 3rd? No, that didn't happen. I'm just super picky about art for some reason that's okay we all are in our own ways yeah and it's not like every single one of those is a masterpiece well some cg is really cool like is the secret of kells cg no and song of the sea that's all hand drawn as far as i know and uh i'm trying to think of which other ones i thought were really cool looking animated that didn't look like they were drawn or maybe they weren't didn't Coraline? Like is that stop motion? That's stop motion. See? Yep. <laughs> Every time I like it, it's not CG. <laughs> I see you, you hate CG movies. I hate uh, rotoscoping. We got our things. There we go. Yeah, everybody has their taste, I guess. Yeah. So when he go is he gets the door to the outside, is this when they immediately run into the, the beggar? Or does that happen... Afterwards, after they like get out, I think that's when he runs into David Bowie pretending they to be go a beggar, through. Right? They go through the hall of the the walls that talk to them. The rock. Oh, walls. okay, okay, that's what happens. So he, yeah, he opens the door. Yeah, okay. you're going the wrong way. That's great. Yeah, it's turn funny. back before it's too late. <laughs> Only danger lies ahead. <laughs> Beware. Beware. <laughs> it's funny, is it? <laughs> Forward lies a path. Oh, shut up. Oh, please, it's been so long. I don't know what he says. It's so good, though. Ah, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> and then, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There we and go. And then the crystal, then that crystal ball rolls, rolls by. by and goes into the cup. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, <laughs> why is he even pretending to be something else for two seconds? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe there was a whole other scene that was going to happen there or something. Yeah, I don't maybe. know. But yeah, the, he's in this full-on disguise. He looks like uh, in the Disney Robin Hood animated movie when uh, when Robin Hood puts on that disguise to do the archery contest almost. Except for, you know, he's, he's way bigger. 
but he's got like a kind of a beak, I think, right? Yeah, he's got like a rubber chicken head on almost. <laughs> <laughs> like a the chickens come back yeah. again. He's got he's like got a pirate hat on. Yeah. But he's like a in a robe. And then just all of a sudden <sighs> he takes it off. I remember thinking that was pretty weird. It's just him. It's David Bowie going, aha, what's up, dudes? <laughs> <laughs> And this is kind of the moment where he says, Hogwart. (laughs) Higgle, where are you taking the girl? They can't decide on what his name is. (laughs) They're trying to tell each other what they think his name is, and neither of them are right. Mm -hmm. Um, And he sort of says to her, what do you think of my labyrinth? And she's like, I'm not going to stand, I'm not going to, act like a wuss about this, and she says it's a piece of cake. Um, maybe I'm getting too in-depth here. No. <laughs> um, but then he goes, oh, really? Is it? So um, then he gives them another obstacle to have to deal with. That's another scary part. Yeah. Reminds I'm- me of Charlie and the Chocolate Factory with the rotating fan blades. Oh, yeah. Or the vehicle, or even the one that's, you know, where they're the boat. Man, there's a lot of scary stuff in Charlie and the, or Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Oh, yeah, Factory. definitely. That movie is more, you're more, you fear more for physical harm in that movie. Yeah, and there's another chicken in that movie. Gets its head cut off. So he throws a crystal ball, and all of a sudden, the cleaners, which mm-hmm. is a round... That fits in, they're like in a, it's almost like a sewer tunnel kind of thing with like rotating blades to clean the thing. And it's, you know, it's just rushing towards them and they start running in the direction, the only direction they can run. And it's a dead end. You know, you know, they're going to be killed trash compactor style. And R2-D2 is not going to be able to save them. (laughs) But there's a breakaway or there's a wall. That happens to be there that they, they're able to push through, and that's... <laughs> yeah. Then we get to see, from behind the uh, cleaner, there's a couple of uh, goblins that are just running it. That are like One of them's on like a bicycle, the other one's kind of like hopping in the air to push something down. Like a, like a what is it called, a train car. A, uh, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, it's like, these things all had to be engineered as like ideas. <laughs> so... Like, I could probably draw you a diagram of how this cleaning machine was was made and ran mm-hmm. through the tunnel. But it's crazy that somebody took the time to do that for this kid's movie and then physically build it. Yeah. Like, that just blows my mind. The whole unit. And I've worked in I've worked at a professional theater company, so I've seen how sets can be erected sometimes and how things can be made to appear a certain way, even if they don't work. And sometimes you can do some really cool practical stuff. But it's really cool to see that they took this effort, you know, for a kid's movie. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like now there's a lot of effort put into kids' movies, but it's all put into CG. Right. It's not... I feel like there's less attachment to the material of the people that make that, you know, the Pixar makes some amazing stuff, but I don't think that 
especially recent picks, really focused on making a compelling story, and they do they do a really good job. You know, they can they can jerk tears out of me like no other movie, but it's not they're not about wowing people with what's going on anymore. And I don't know if it's just because after let let's say like Toy Story two, the technology had become so standard, we weren't going to be wowed by anything people could do with computers anymore, or something like that. I'm not sure what the case is, but the you get the feeling that Jim Henson had it all mapped out. He was going to do everything this certain way. He's got everything figured out, and, he's, and he'd already set up all the props, all the things that he wanted to be in the movie, and shaped all of his scenes around how he had seen it in his head, you know, Alfred Hitchcock style. Everything had been planned beforehand. I'm sure there were a lot of other people involved with their ideas too, but it does feel like it's from his it's from his point of view. It feels like it's his style and it feels like it's his world. Yeah. Um and whether or not somebody had an idea for something, some part of the movie, it was executed through the studio and yeah. through the workshop. Yeah. And Aaron and I were talking about the illustrations that you can find I think I I have it on like the bonus material or something, but it's pretty unbelievable that these creatures were sketched by somebody and then fully built. Like, and some of them they didn't even end up making. Like there were stuff, there were things that didn't really get featured in the movie. I'm sure. Um, that maybe were used somewhere else or maybe weren't, but yeah, I'm just astounded still by the amount of work and like how seamlessly this was put together. Yeah. So they get out by climbing a ladder. Yes. And he is telling I, I at this point he when he took her bracelet he said I'll take you as far as I can but then you're on your own. Mm-hmm. And I think by the time they climb the ladder he's like I'm just going to take you home, you know. Let's go back out of the labyrinth. This is not worth it. And she does something uh I don't know. It's not hero-like to do what she did, but I guess I, she, it didn't end up being something she needed to do anyways because she got sent in a different direction. But she steals his like his sack of jewels. He's got a sack there hanging at his belt, right? Yeah, she basically forces his hand because she said, you promised me you were going to help me. And he said, I've helped you as much as I can now, which was really, I mean, in the span of the movie, a few minutes. Yeah. Um, and I saved you from that cleaner thing. Come on. Yeah. So basically, she says, well, if you're not going to honor what you told me, then I'm going to take your stuff away. Yep. Yeah. He doesn't like that. So this old man has got a bird on his head. Um, the only thing that's really remarkable about this is, once again, I mean, it's a funny scene because the bird keeps interrupting the old man. He's trying to talk and stuff like that. But for some reason, the bird has a Spanish accent and says <laughs> says things in Spanish. Andale. You know, or something like that. <laughs> Whatever. Mm, I think he says senorita. <laughs> senorita. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. I, I, they're kind of like a bickering couple, like, that are always together so they always know what the other one's thinking or gonna say or whatever yeah 
They're asking for donations, which is kind of they're they don't tell her anything, do they? For is it a fortune teller? Um, he like points in a direction, doesn't he, or something like that? Does he say, "I'll tell you your fortune"? No, first? I, don't, I don't think so. Um, I think he's already told her the pertinent information when that when she gives over. Oh yeah, he says. Uh, she says, "Do you know how to get through the labyrinth?" Uh huh. And he says, um, "Some things are not." You know, he basically says. Some things appear to be one thing when they're not, or some things... It's like the only yeah. way to go in uh, through the labyrinth is to go out... Back the way you came. Back the way you came, yes. Something like that. Yeah. It's like another kind of like riddle It's a riddle thing. that doesn't... It doesn't play out or anything like that. It's not like she figures out... Sometimes the way forward is the way back. The, oh, yeah. That's what he says, yeah. So it doesn't, I mean, it's just one of the many details that are just kind of a scene. It doesn't, like, the the point of her going through this labyrinth is not to make a streamlined, like, we could actually show on a piece of paper how she got through the labyrinth or anything like that. It's just a series of small vignettes with characters and uh, scenery. And, yeah, it's fine. Like, th- this is probably one of the least remarkable parts, uh, just because you know, the, the puppet's cool. The bird's cool. She gives over a ring, which has Hoggle, like, drooling as soon as he sees it. He gets upset that she's giving it away. Yeah. That's probably why he's like, no, I'm not taking you back, or I'm going to take you to the entrance, or whatever. And, uh, then she steals the jewel bag off of him. Or is it, did it happen before now? I'm really confused. I think it happened before. Okay. At this point, he's mad. She's mad. They hear the growl. They hear Ludo, yeah. And he runs off. Hoggle's like, forget you, I'm out of here. She runs over and peeks around the corner, and there's a gigantic monster hung by his foot, hanging off a tree. Like, gigantic compared to anything else she's seen. Yeah. Maybe the guy with the bird on his head was almost as big, but not quite. No. This guy's gigantic. Yeah. And we'd already seen the the characters that are standing around him are oh man that's that's weird. They're like using these like creatures on the end of sticks to like bite him. Like, yeah, it's like spears, but if the spears had mouths, <laughs> it's gross. It's like a it's like one of those reach and grab kind of things, like a like um you know how if you have something that's in a hard to reach place, they have these contraptions you can use, and like you pull a lever on it and it like Says grabs it grabs well dolan has one too it's like a claw hand that mm-hmm. just snaps when you pull back on it yeah um the garbage collectors yeah anyway they they are using these little tiny skeletons of some other creature on the end of their stick to basically do the same thing and bite um at ludo with them yep and the these guys are weird they're like a thing that comes back again. Are they the ones that are riding yeah. the thing? So it's like a guy who's got his feet through the thing. And I never knew that as a kid. It took oh, yeah. me a really long time to figure out what they were. Yeah. But yeah, that's what they are. There's like a little ride-along creature. There's there's something they're riding, and there's something on top of it. But you can't really see their faces, I don't think. They're just like helmets. Right, they're wearing gigantic helmets. Yeah. Yeah, we saw one earlier that was just running in the background, but it didn't. It wasn't important to the story. 
unless you know, maybe it was a moment of suspense where they might get caught. But uh, Ludo's getting attacked. He starts going, ah, and a, a rock rolls out from off screen and hits her in the foot. And, you know, naturally, she wants to get rid of these guys for, I mean, she's a good person. She sees some animal suffering. She wants to take it out. So she starts throwing these rocks, <laughs> hitting them in the helmet. They get confused and run off. But the, the important thing is those rocks didn't show up until Ludo made a noise. So it's almost like he's bringing the rocks to him. We don't, we don't know what's going on at that point. But she walks over and uh, he's talking like a giant baby. <laughs> Let's him out of the tree. She unties him. One of, one of the points where uh, something happens to a character and I can imagine the movie ending there because that character's dead. <laughs> Drops out of the tree directly on his head. Blood splatter. The end. Um, I, like I have said, have seen this movie a million times since childhood. And when your name is Sarah and it's the 80s. Sarah. <laughs> you hear this a lot. <laughs> um, so I've heard uh, Sarah Friend. Like, Sarah Friend. A lot. A lot of times. Yeah. Um, but I always liked that the character's name was Sarah in this movie, so I don't care. The only time I've ever heard my name associated with media was when Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind came out, and then when the, when the game... Uh, oh, man, what is that game? I even own it. The Last of Us. That's what it is, with the mushroom people. And the main character's name is Joel. So people are like... Oh, have you played The Last of Us? Yes. <laughs> uh, it's a good game. Okay, bye. I don't look anything like that main character, so no compliments to me. Except for we both have beards. So what do you think of Ludo as a character? I love Ludo. I think he's probably my favorite. One of my favorites in the entire show, in the entire movie. Because he... Seems like he isn't very bright, but he's really sweet. He's really friendly. He's he's willing to help with anything that she needs. And uh, I think he's probably her best friend in the labyrinth. Like, when I think about the other characters she encounters, he is reliable, and he's there for her, and he doesn't run off at any point. He's faithful right yeah, away. He's a faithful, loyal friend, and he's super nice to her. And it seems like there aren't any other motivations involved. So yeah. I think as a kid, I always thought he was the best yeah. character because he never did anything bad to her. He didn't even want to do bad things to other creatures. But when it came down to it, he had to sort of protect them and help them. But yeah. A lot of pushing and shoving and kind yeah. of stuff like that later, a big scene. How far do they go before Ludo just kind of, like, disappears? It's not that far after this point, right? She rescues him. They start walking off together. Don't we get a cutaway of... of uh, oh, now I'm forgetting the other guy's name. The guy of, uh, of Hoggle, like, making his way back through, uh, away from where he was, right? And that's where we see that effect shot 
of David Bowie's face. Like, we're looking right at it, but as the camera pans away, it's actually three different rocks that have been aligned. They don't look like him. Right. You can only, only see Only from it. that angle yeah. they do. That's the other super cool visual thing, like the uh, we were talking about the entrance to the labyrinth in the beginning. Yeah. I love it. Love it. Whoever owns that, lucky person. Yeah, that is really cool. I've, I've seen um, examples of this kind of, I don't know if you call it art or what, that basically looks like a pile of junk from one angle, but from another angle, it looks like a piano or something. Or yeah, and it's it's crazy intense how how much people have spent time on this kind of thing. Yeah, and I think it's amazing. I yeah. think it's really cool. It is super cool. I wonder if they had one of Michael Jackson already made, <laughs> and they're like, "Oh no, David Bowie's going to be the guy instead." I want to see the Michael Jackson version. <laughs> Jerry Curl. <laughs> Who knows what his hair would have been like in this movie. But he's uh, walking along, making his way, and boom, there's Jareth again. Yeah. He <laughs> he has decided to intercept him again because he knows that he's a chicken and that he's intimidated by him. So he... But the girl likes him. He knows that. He knows that, that Sarah has a fondness for Hoggle. There's already a relationship established, so he wants to take advantage of that. Yeah. This is some of the best lines in the from him coming from them. I mean, uh, you, I, God, everything he says. <laughs> I know. I would watch a whole movie of him in the woods or whatever like this. Like, just this scene. Just talking to people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just encountering different characters or whatever. Yeah. I mean, maybe not Hoggle. I don't know if... I'd watch a movie just David Bowie by himself, but oh, I don't know. Hoggle. Just David Bowie and Hoggle. No Hoggle. <laughs> you don't want to see a buddy movie with uh, Jareth and Hoggle trying to solve crimes? You've I'm, lost your head in this case. I ain't lost my head. <laughs> David and Bowie. <laughs> I'm trying to picture him being all like happy, like. <laughs> Tra la la. <laughs> exactly. Palling around with Hoggle. Mm hmm. <laughs> And he says, you're going to have to give her this peach. And he hands her one of the uh, the crystal balls turns into a peach, right? That's that's what happens. He says, give her this. And he throws a crystal ball oh. into the air. And when it lands in Hoggle's hand, it's a peach yeah. or a nectarine or something. Gigantic fruit. It's a piece of fruit. And... He says, you know, what's wrong with it? I'm not going to do anything to hurt her. Yeah. And he says, do what I said. Like, mm -hmm. or I'm going to send you to the bog of stench. <laughs> yep. A bog of stench. <laughs> and Hoggle, if she kisses you, I'll turn you into a prince. Yeah. <laughs> Prince of the Land of Stench. <laughs> I want that's a t-shirt so that says Prince of the Land of Stench. Yeah. That's so good. Uh, he, he gets a kick out of himself. <laughs> I think um, it makes me wonder in this moment of them having a conversation, like how many of these moments have transpired between them before. Or I wonder how much interaction Hoggle has had with it. Because he doesn't know who Hoggle is. He doesn't even know his name. He's still calling him Hogwarts. He has an idea of who he is. Right. 
Well, I think he, he has domain over his kingdom. He knows everything that's going on. He talked to that inchworm in the beginning and was like, make sure to invite her in for a cup of tea. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. <laughs> so there, uh, we get back to Sarah and Ludo. They're just they've, walking along, They've right? been walking. Yeah, they've, they've made some distance. And they come to the doors? No, no. This is... This is right before she enters the forest, or maybe she has entered the forest, because Ludo steps on something while she's not paying attention, and just... Yeah. He, he falls. Doesn't yeah, but that's after they enter the door. Oh, it is? The forest is beyond the door. So they've... Uh, wait, wait, wait. I thought when she meets the knocker, the, the door knockers, that what's-his-name was already there with them, a Hoggle. Was he? No. Maybe not. I don't think he was. Yeah. I think they're trying to figure out what to do with the knockers. So first they get to the the door knockers. Uh-huh. One of them has the door knocker into his ears. The other one has it in his mouth. It's like see no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. It's like a total Laurel and Hardy situation. It's really funny. Yeah. Because their interactions with each other. He's like, the one with the stuff in his ears is always saying bad things. And the guy's like, oh, it's not true. What? Everything's followed up by, what? Yeah, one of them can't hear but can speak. The other one can't speak but can hear. Right. And um, it's another dichotomy that they've created. It, I just can't even name all of the crazy situations that they put into this movie. Mm -hmm. That especially for a kid to ponder with their little mind is just unbelievable. Yeah. Um. So she's presented with another puzzle to get through. And, it's it's uh, not too complicated. No, this she one's just, just pick one. Yeah. And she picks the one that is being tortured by having <laughs> the knocker in his mouth, which is not... It doesn't seem fair. The other guy, you can't take it out of his ears. Might as well use him. The knockers were a couple of the creepiest characters for me. Yeah. Because of the way their faces look. Well, he looks, like all metallic. Yeah. And, like, rubbery, and the mouth on that one. Yeah, yeah I just... And the eyes looked like two olives or Beady, something. Yeah, 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 the one with the thing in his ears. <laughs> or both of them did, yeah. Yeah, they just... They kind of looked creepy to me as a kid. I think I remembered thinking of them as, like, giant metallic bats or... <laughs> what are the... You what, filled in the details. What are the... Yeah, well, yeah, you... <laughs> when you're this into it, as a kid, you... <laughs> you try and figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> what are you trying to remember? Like, you know, like in old gothic buildings, how they have the- The gargoyles? The gargoyles, yeah. It's yeah. kind of like a gargoyle. Totally gargoyle heads. What? Yeah. But, yeah, so they do end up using the door knocker with the mouth, which, and uh, he doesn't want to put the knocker back in his mouth. She takes it out at some point, and she uses the old- Put my fingers, <laughs> plug his nose with my fingers until he has to breathe through his mouth thing, which is, I mean, that's that's just a little charming scene. It's, it's really funny. Mm -hmm. Sticks it back in there. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> All right, I'm used to it. <laughs> and that's, yeah. Then then they go through the door. And that, it, that leads to the forest? The door opens to the forest. Okay. And Ludo kind of goes off. She's not looking the right direction. And he just drops through the floor. Doesn't make a sound, which is interesting. So anyways, 
she can't find Ludo. And then all of a sudden, and this is, in my opinion, the the weirdest part of the movie. Oh, yeah. The five uh, Jamaican, uh, the five, I, I don't know what they're supposed to be, but they're singing a, <laughs> says, chilly down with the fire gang, think small with the fire gang, bad hep with the fire gang. When your thing gets wild, chilly down. <laughs> what? What? <laughs> now these, I mean, these guys are like ugly. These guys are uglier than anything we've seen in the movie so far. And there's a whole bunch of close-ups because they're they're dancing around and they're singing. Yeah, it's crazy. It's like a music video for weird ass creatures. <laughs> and one of them looks. <laughs> and one of them scares the crap out of me and looks like Rodney Dangerfield. <laughs> and I never liked Rodney Dangerfield as a kid. Apologies, Mr. Sorry. Dangerfield. I know, R.I.P. We have respect um, for you. Yeah, I do. But for some reason, he always gave me- But you're an unattractive man. <laughs> no, it was just his, like, lewdness. He was well, always he, making some, like, gross yeah, oh, sexual yeah, yeah. He, he innuendo. A, like Even in Rover Dangerfield, it's not for kids, I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm like, I, I don't want to hear about what you think about women all the time. Like, as a little <laughs> girl, I'm sitting here thinking, who is this creep? Um <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, I I was I was pretty uncomfortable by the idea of Rodney Dangerfield as a kid in the forest, taking off his head and throwing. I mean, it around. if that's the way he acted about all women, just making like sexual harassment and like remarks to them, like mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to be in his path. Yeah. But you just accidentally walk by him and you hear him making some gross remarks. Yeah. Like I don't know how he was in real life. I don't, I don't either, but. Yeah. Anyway, sorry, Rodney Dangerfield. I know that's the part that you played, but um, <laughs> but you creeped me out with just the way you treated women. And then there's this creature in the labyrinth that looks just like him to me. Yeah. His eyes, like, bug like that. And- Four other skinny arms, skinny leg, red furred other troll creatures. I mean, these, these guys look like what I imagine a troll looks like. Dancing around in the forest, singing a song that doesn't really make any sense, taking off body parts and moving around without them. And we watched the behind the scenes of how they did this scene, and it seemed like it was super frustrating. Like, they were having a really hard time getting it to look any good because they had people in black, entirely black costumes moving the limbs independent of, like, a puppet to to make it look like these guys were dancing around, like stomping their feet and moving their hands for them. And they had to, from what the documentary was making it say, they had to do it a lot of times to get it to look coherent or, or anything like that. And I feel bad saying it's the worst part of the movie, but it just doesn't, doesn't feel like it fits in. I don't think it's the worst part. You don't? What do you think's the worst part? Ludo. <sighs> The worst part of the movie for me is probably the city scene where they have to try and fight all the bad guys to get to the oh, really? castle. How come? Mm, I just never found it interesting as a mm, kid. Okay. I mean, I liked that Sir Didymus. It's part. It's necessary for the story, right? But the creatures and the um, music and the shooting i never liked any of that as a kid so yeah that was probably my least favorite part i see 
you just were worried about those chickens. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. yeah. She eventually gets out of there by picking up their heads and throwing them because they're saying they want to take her head off. They're like planning to murder her because they don't know she's a human or something like that, right? Yeah, you see people reaching at her head and trying to pull it off of her. <laughs> Another bunch of creatures groping at her. Yeah. It. I don't know. I guess I... It's what it is. So after the... The what are they called? The fun gang, fire clan, fire clan, <laughs> the fun gang. <laughs> no, fire that's what that's clan. what we call it. <laughs> hey, come hang out with the fun gang, <laughs> fire clan. Mm-hmm. Um, you get some leather jackets. <laughs> their heads are still flying by the ears, but she uh, right. she sees a rope being thrown down by Hoggle. And uh, somehow he pulls her up the wall. Oh, he's got Herculean strength. Yeah, he he pulls her up. Um, That's why they were able to push down that wall when they were getting attacked by the cleaner, because he's, he's super strong. Yeah, somehow or other he can carry her whole weight on that rope. Makes sense. Pull her up, and, um, yep. and she's so grateful that she kisses him on the cheek. Oh, and, and what did he say? What did Jareth say? That he was going to be Prince of the Land of Stench. That's right. So, um, they so, fall down a little tunnel. Well, we cut away to a coronation scene where uh, Hoggle is being crowned the Prince of the... No, that doesn't happen. Never mind. Yes, they fall down a tunnel. <laughs> yeah, they fall down and they end up in the Bog of Eternal Stench. And the Bog of Eternal Stench. What a place to this, dream up. <laughs> this part is for children. This yeah. is a part that I have specifically heard older people who had not seen the movie before say was really stupid. Mm-hmm. And that's because it's essentially a series of fart jokes. It's not for you, I guess, grown-ups. I still think fart jokes are funny sometimes. You know, to those people, I would say... Rewatch a bunch of the comedies that you think are funny and see how many of them have a fart joke in it. Yeah, I've got that special tag on Letterbox that says fart joke. Yeah. <laughs> because when it happens, I'm like, oh, they're still doing that? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'd, and honestly, I don't like fart jokes, but because I saw this movie when I was probably six, five. Yeah. Um, I thought it was pretty funny at the time. I think I find it funny as a place of punishment because the worst thing you can think to do someone is put them in a place that smells bad. Oh, make them smell um, forever, too, if they ever fall into it. Yeah. Yeah. The um, eternal stench. <laughs> the bog of eternal stench. It's like our cat's litter box. It's the, it's the bog of eternal stench. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, we've made I've made jokes with people about someplace oh porta potties. The bog of eternal stench. <laughs> um yeah. <laughs> That's gross. <laughs> um or other places. But but I think just the idea of like imagine I mean I don't know. Like you think of hell as being a place where you burn forever. Like I mean, sure. In this reality, they're like, we're going to send you to the worst place possible, the place that stinks. Nobody's going to want to be around you after you stink forever. (laughs) Which is funny, but I mean, so they shimmy along the wall. They don't end up falling into the bog stench, thank goodness. But there's that face she makes that me and Aaron were talking about. Yeah, that you were talking about. 
Aaron was like, they must have put something that smelled bad into the room for her I mean, because people know what you you know what face you make yeah, when something smells. I know. Bad. I I was thinking it could have been, could have not been. Yeah. But Aaron was like, that is like so real. Her face when she smells like the bog of eternal stench right. that he was like, they must have put like a bad smell. Like in front my of her. actual disgust face. I don't know what that looks like, but it's something where it's like an instant reaction, like you know, like like oh my god, I'm gonna throw up kind of face. Which is not the same as Mike. Ah, oh, what is that smell kind of face? I think Jennifer Connelly's a good actress. Yeah, oh, and I she think is. there's many situations in the movie where you know she plays against you know a puppet or whatever mm-hmm. and convincingly makes yeah, the reaction really, she, she needs to. Does a really good job. Her yeah, face, especially. yeah, yeah. Her attitudes in this movie all throughout fit her character. Yeah, we get re. They yeah. they meet up with Ludo again. Ludo has fell, fallen here from the forest, I guess. And he's complaining about the bad smell. Smell bad. Over and over again. Shut up, Ludo. We know that they're going to cross the bridge. Uh, Hoggle says, we need to go across this bridge. Get out of here. And we get introduced to the third member, or the fourth member of the team, who is Sir Didymus, a very foxy type character. A fox, fox, fox. Is like what is he wearing? He's wearing. He's wearing like a like a Spanish conquistador's outfit mm-hmm. with like a feather in his hat. Um, and I like his little legs. I always thought that was <laughs> funny. He looks like our uh, wired-haired terrier Scruffy we had when I was growing up. Mm-hmm. And uh, if you just had a picture of Scruffy's face next to his face, it was like a pretty close side-by-side mm-hmm. comparison. Yep. But Sir Didymus is a gentleman, and he thinks... Um, but he's also a warrior. A warrior. And he thinks that he's a very I've dutiful, got- mm-hmm. dutiful yeah. person. So he basically tells them they can't You're pass. not allowed to cross this bridge without my permission. Something like that. Mm-hmm. And she says, can we have your permission? Mm-hmm. He goes... Yes! <laughs> So easily solved. They cross, or one of them crosses, right? At that point, and then... Hoggle runs across because he's a chicken. Right. And then uh, Sarah tries to cross, but the bridge falls apart. Right. And she grabs some kind of a branch or something. She's hanging for her life. She's almost going to fall into the bog of eternal stench, which is really... I mean, that's a nightmare for a 16-year-old scary, girl. That's a scary, scary moment there. Um, All men have to cr- have to roll around in a bog of eternal stench. So, I mean, it wouldn't be that big a deal after a bit. Especially when you're 16. It probably starts when we're like 13. You know what I'm talking about. What's that? Guys stink. Anyways, no 16-year-old girl wants to fall into any sort of bog. Especially not a bog of, that gives you an eternal stench. Right. <laughs> the word stench. That's a good word. Stench, yeah. It's not like, oh, it stinks. Oh, it smells. That is a stench. <laughs> <laughs> it's all capital letters. Ugh. What is going on here? We got a stench. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, Ludo calls the rocks again. Yeah, we see we see for sure that he is he has this ability. Like he raises the rocks out or do they roll out from the thing? They ro- they come out of the They ground, come right? out of the bog of stench, yeah. which I always thought was kind of yeah, those are stink touching, those are stink rocks. Touching the tent, touching the stench. 
(laughs) Those rocks are just like, those are the heroes of the movie. The rocks keep saving people and doing amazing things. Like, saving him from the tree, you know, rising out of the stench, and then later we see him again doing crazy stuff. Like, rocks. It's, It's like a howl he does, and the rocks just come rolling to him. So next time you're outside and you see a rock, make sure to salute it. Thank it for its service to this country. The labyrinth country. <laughs> so she's uh, she is able to land on one of these rocks, and then everyone is able to cross. As they step on each individual rock, though, we get our individual fart sound. <laughs> yeah, the whole bog is like... <laughs> sound effect machine. Sound effects of farting. Yeah. And uh, Sir Didymus, his mount is a uh, is a sheepdog. It's actually it looks just like uh, Merlin. Her or, dog. Or what what is it, in, Merlin? Yeah, Merlin. Yeah, looks just like her dog. But his the dog here is named uh, Ambrosius. Sir Didymus, come along, Ambrosius. Whatever. And when he goes across, he he does it super fast because he's got the four legs. You know, just one of those amusing things. Yeah, I could imagine being six and laughing. Yeah. I probably did when I was six. Now I don't, but yeah. I do. (laughs) I laugh in like a dignified way with my pinky up. (laughs) Quite amusing. (laughs) Hand me another cracker. So that is, that basically sets them up before they're going to enter the the middle part, isn't it? Then they're in the woods again. That's right. Farther into the woods. And, and Hoggle decides. Yeah, everybody else has gone ahead. Ludo's gone ahead. Sir Didymus and the dog have gone ahead. And then Hoggle takes that moment to stand aside with Sarah and offer her the peach. Because she says she's hungry and thirsty. Well, I've got this. And she's just like, thank you she's so, so happy. much. Because she's like hungry and thirsty and she's just really excited to bite into it. Yeah. Oh, we forgot. Um, I mean, it doesn't really matter to the story at that point. But back when he, she said it was a piece of cake, he like set the time forward, didn't he? Yeah, he like took some time away. Like from he her. like points at the clock and the thirteen hours. Like he removes like two or three hours, and she's like, "That's not fair again." It doesn't really matter at this point in the story, but it was something that I thought. You know, he, he is such a... Jareth is just like a... He's puckish. Well, what's his motivation? <laughs> I think he's like a kid that has a crush on somebody, but wants to have all of his toys and... Right. I mean, I don't know what his real motivation is. He wants to play is. the game, but he doesn't want to lose. Yeah. He wants to... Well, you know how, like, royalty, like like in uh, Alice in Wonderland, how the Queen of Hearts wants to play the game? Right. But she doesn't really want to play the game? Yeah. And she wants to walk through the motions. Very but, reminiscent of that kind of stuff. Yeah. But not quite as absurd. Yeah. So she takes a big old bite of this peach. And uh, that's where her vision starts to go all right kale- off, kaleidoscope, right? Right off the bat, she says, this tastes strange. Like, what did you do to me? Mm-hmm. What have you done? And he says, you know, I'm sorry. She basically falls down. And kind of goes into a little bit of a trance state. She's having this vision. Falls directly into a music video. What do you think of this part? I think it's pretty awesome. Yeah. It's the masquerade ball. She 
she falls into this uh, dream of her and Jareth at a ball, at a masquerade ball, um, inside of one of his crystals. And um, she's dancing, and all of the other characters are dancing. This is the only scene that I think has a lot of, like, human actor characters in it that are you can see part of their faces at least right um i kind of wondered if this was the like if this was like the court you know like that jareth interacts with or what you know if it was just a dream she was having or what but yeah i mean i as a little girl i thought that her gown was pretty Freaking awesome. Mm-hmm. He looks all cool. And he looks really cool. And he's singing to her, and and I really liked the song. And it's got all these weird little masks and stuff in it. Um, what'd you think? It's a beautiful scene. I like it like takes the sparkles up by three hundred percent. And but everything's all flowing in white and the only two people without masks are him and her. David Bowie's got eye makeup I, I feel on. like, yeah, yeah. He's always got eye makeup <laughs> <laughs> Like, everyday life, he's got eye makeup <clears throat> But I feel like it was a total, I don't know. Like, I, I you know, it, it's, I can pretend to imagine what a, a young girl would fantasize about. And this feels like a fantasy sequence from a young girl's imagination. But I don't know for a fact what that would actually include. This is just based on what people have told me. And it's kind of perfect that way. Like, you could kind of clip this scene out of the movie, like I said, like a music video, and, and just make it its own thing. Yeah, I definitely think that this scene was, like... I mean, I probably hadn't yet imagined anything about, like, a fantasy ball or anything like that as a little girl at this point. But it definitely was ammunition for <laughs> for for future ideas about what the perfect ball would be like or whatever. Yeah. Um but there's an air of sort of I think it's a really good blend. And I know it's a silly movie. I know that. But it's a good bend of, it's a good blend of like suspense for her character too. She doesn't know what's going to happen. And right. um she's just kind of moving through this dream world. And the people around her are being kind of creepy. You know, she doesn't really know what they're about. Yeah. But but David Bowie is there, and in a weird way, she sort of trusts him. It's a really weird dynamic between their characters, because she hates him, but she also kind of likes him, too. All right, she's entranced by him. Yeah. I mean, his whole world is something... That is like her dreams, you right. know? And the, the things that she pretends to do, fantasize yeah. about. Yeah, it's like her other... It's like her fantasy reality. Um, yeah. And I think that if Jareth had been like a teenage boy or something, that she might have fallen in love with him or whatever after this scene. Like... Right. The problem, the main problem for them, I think, as characters in terms of like love as a relationship, is that he's much older than her, and that he's evil. Right. He. I mean, he stole her. her yeah. Her baby brother. 
No matter what it comes down to. Yeah. She, I mean, how does she snap out of this? I don't remember. She throws the chair at the crystal ball. Like, basically, they're inside of a, of a cylindrical room. Yeah. And she throws a chair through... The song is amazing, by the way. The song... The stars fall down. The song like is like... Maybe it's so in my mind because of the visuals connected with it in this scene. But this is like a kind of serenade pop song for David Bowie. And it's pretty awesome. It's cool. Anyway, so she picks up a chair... And she throws it at the wall, which looks kind of just like a warped, like, glass something. And and that basically disturbs the atmosphere of the whole party. Everyone is, like, thrown up into the air and basically thrown into another reality. (laughs) They all get incepted. (laughs) Room goes tipsy-topsy. And she falls gently down into the junkyard. Oh, okay, okay. That makes sense. The junkyard is... A, it's it's like a wasteland. It's it's all dark and cloudy, and uh, it's just huge piles. It's it's what you like the cartoon version of a dump. What you imagine a dump looked like big, just big piles of junk, and you can see stuff moving in between the piles and things like that. And she, it's like a hoarder's house. Yeah, she like reaches <laughs> she reaches over, and uh, she accidentally gooses some lady. <laughs> I mean, it's not a lady. It's a, it's a, I mean, it looks like something from the Dark Crystal. It looks like the, the lady with the only one eye. Yeah, this was really scary for me, too, as a kid, this part. And she's carrying all, she's carrying a bunch of stuff on her back. Like, she walks around with the equivalent of, I, I don't even know. I mean, she's, she has a huge pile of stuff that's stacked in just a way that it's not falling over. It's not like she's got a sack or anything like that. And, uh, she is when she's talking to Sarah. She is basically telling her, "Like, oh no, no, this is what you're looking for is here. This is what you were looking for all this time, right?" Because Sarah has a little bit of like amnesia in this mm-hmm. moment, and she saw the peach with the worm in it and throws it away. I forgot. Yeah. Um, but little caterpillar. Basically, yeah, she she's confused. She says I was looking for something, but I can't remember what it was. Yeah, to quote Lincoln Park, she was confused. Uh, but the uh, the crone, or whatever she is, goes, oh, this is what you were looking for, and she brings over uh, Lancelot, her bear. Her teddy bear, yeah. And she's like, oh, oh, yes, th- this was what I was looking for. You know, she can't figure well, she out. Ta- she takes her to, like, a basically... A replica of her bedroom. Right, right. As far as she knows, she's back home because there is no... She's in her room. She's in yeah. her room. The door's closed. She she's thinks maybe it was all just a dream. by all her stuff. She's looking in the mirror, right? And yeah. The st- old lady is still hanging around with her. Well, she no, that, that's or, not until she opens the door. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because she, she's still in the room. She's just looking in the mirror and she kind of is like, wasn't there something I was supposed to do? And she goes and opens the door, and there's the the junkyard again, the chrome. Yeah. Like, her room is not attached to the house. It's attached to nothing. It's like it's built inside of the junk piles in yeah. the junkyard. Yeah. Which is insane. It's cool. It's an insane idea. Yeah. Like, another weird idea to present to the mind of a child mm. is that you could be in a place that looked exactly like your room, 
but maybe it wasn't. Right, yeah. And yeah. maybe you were someplace else completely. That's really scary. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was scary for me as a kid. Like one of those things where like you open the front door of your house and you're like in the middle of outer space or something like that. The like, sand uh, like pits a, and Beetlejuice or something. Yeah, you know our policy. Please don't send us into outer space or to uh, Saturn. But yeah, so the the crone starts giving her all her stuff, like sits her down in front of the mirror again. She's like, oh, here's your dolly and all this stuff like that. And you realize that she is stacking this stuff onto her, like her, her dollhouse and all this other stuff, the same way that the crone has all her stuff stacked on her. It's like she's making another one of those things that lives in the junkyard. That's That's really freaky. It is. I've always found her character to be particularly malicious in this story. I mean, there are characters that try to harm her or whatever. This one is trying to manipulate her into believing something that isn't true and, like, using her own memories against her. Like, yeah. to try and trick her into... I, I don't know if she wants her to be there with her yeah, forever. make her into or, one yeah. of them. Or if she... Who knows? But that's almost like, imagine, that's almost like um, like saying it's a mental illness or something that you turn into these creatures because you can't let go of any of your stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, remember this? Remember that? You can't let go of that. Yeah. And then you end up being this bizarre bag lady in a yeah. fictional like, junkyard forever. Were those other forever. people out there? Like yeah. Like previous labyrinth inhabitors? I don't that know. fell and, like, ended up being stuck there and weren't able to break out like Sarah was? Like, wow. It's crazy to think that she... Uh, this this is sort of, like... I mean, it's I'm not trying to make it bigger than it is, but basically they're bringing up the idea that maybe it's not such a good idea to hang on to all your stuff. And it's just stuff. It's just right. junk. And that she really wants her brother back is what means something to her. Right. Leaving, in order to continue living your life and fulfilling your goals, you might have to leave some of your treasured items behind. Yeah. It's moving on. Yeah. Yeah. So how does she get out of this one? See, I'm like drawing blanks. She, she hands her the lab, or she sees the labyrinth book on her table. Right. And she starts reading it and kind of remembering the labyrinth. That she was reading about. That's right. And then she says, well, what about this? And she hands her, like, the ju the music box. Yeah. And she goes, it's this all is all just junk. Fake. It's all She's junk. She's like, this is just junk. Breaks the mirror. And she, the yeah, she breaks the mirror. And she's like, I have to find my brother. And the walls just start coming down. Yeah. Like, basically, the entire room starts... Imploding. Yeah. I mean, I don't know how to explain it. It collapses on itself. It collapses and, and Ludo just happens to be above it and pulls her out. Hey, what's up? Luckily, he's there at that moment to help her get out of the situation. Yeah. And luckily, we never see the bag lady again. <laughs> so, at this point, where are they? They're like at... Is this when they're at the gate of the Goblin yeah. City? Yeah. Okay. So There's like a guard who's asleep. And they open the doors, and then inside, <laughs> Sir there's Didymus an is trying to wake him up. Yeah, <laughs> like, leave him alone. We're trying I'm to wrapping on his helmet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then inside, there's another gate. Another gate. 
that comes together, and when it comes together, it's a gigantic robot it's a giant, that they have yeah, to fight. Robotic golem, and then we have a fight scene. We've got a boss battle. Yeah. Well, the Final Fantasy music starts up. Everybody uses big, their special moves. Yep, everybody gets ready to take their turn. Except for Ambrosius, he runs off. <laughs> <laughs> you scaredy dog, and they can't they can't go back the way they came because the gate closes behind them, and there's like spears pointed at them from the ground. They're like spikes coming out, like so, metal spikes. Yeah, so they have to figure out how to get rid of this golem thing. And uh, one of them, what, they figure out there's little people inside. And like, Hoggle gets up out there? Is that what happens? I don't remember exactly how they figure out. So, but maybe they hit. Maybe they call rocks again or something. I don't think so. Sir Didymus is like smacking it with his little baton thing but over the, and over again. But the, I think Hoggle like... Hoggle goes up and takes the top of the helmet right, off. Right, and we see that it's being controlled by two goblins. No, it's just one. Oh, just one guy? Yeah. Okay. With the red eyes. I apologize to uh, the owners of the uh, Jim Henson <laughs> Foundation about mistaking. It was a one a single goblin device. It's armor. He's operating the controls. Yep, he's going loco. And they throw him out. I don't know if... Does Hoggle throw him out? Yeah. And he... And Hoggle tries to take over. He tries to take over the machine, but basically it starts shorting out, and he jumps down. (laughs) It's pretty cool. It's hilarious. Gigantic, like, robot monster thing swinging a... It's like a, a club, right? Or like a... Or is it a mace? I remember seeing like an edited trailer for this. I don't know if it was before or after I'd actually seen the movie. It was right before the name of the rose. But they took the shot of Huggle Hoggle jumping out of the robot as like part of the trailer. <laughs> Action. Like <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like it was filled with those or something. Action packed movie level. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We gotta get this mother effing baby away from that mother effing goblin king. Woo! So at this point, they're they're in the goblin city. The goblin city, which is right, surrounds the goblin king's castle. Yeah, they're at the center of the labyrinth. Essentially, inside is a a miniature city made for the the smaller goblins. So it's everything's uh, too small for. Say for Sarah to like uh, go through, yeah, regular human size or anything like that. But they're just trying to sneak through to get through there, and the city almost seems deserted at first. You know, there's a couple of random chickens around, but they're you know, people are like poking their heads out, and nobody sees them. And uh, they get to the center point with the fountain, and this was Aaron's favorite part of the movie because these this fountain features a bunch of goblin guys holding their uh, <clears throat> and peeing. It's just a detail. What a, what a weird thing to put into the movie. I guess it's funny. And it's not like I haven't I've I've seen fountains where it's like a cherub and the uh the spigot is where their their ding-dong is, but this was like four goblin four stone goblin people in a fountain and they had they had like faucets. They didn't have like a little spigot. They had like faucets in their crotch. <laughs> Ah, Aaron, if only you could talk about Yeah, yeah, I know. But they they get surrounded, right? Yeah. Like a bunch of forces come and there's some serious music Mm -hmm. and they start, you know, trying to attack them. People are charging at them. Ambrosius runs away again. Yeah, absolutely. 
He, he runs down one way and then he runs back the other way because people are running that direction. He goes inside of a door and closes it behind him. <laughs> and Sir Didymus is standing on the outside. He's trying to knock like, on the door. Ah! <laughs> then he turns around and goes, so, do you surrender? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> and Hoggle pulls the side of a house off. Well, there's, there's a bunch of funny stuff, like, yeah. in, like, details. Like, when they fire that cannon... It's like a cannon. It just appears as a cannonball, but when it hits the wall, there's like little legs poking out. The guy's like, "Did I hit anything?" It's like <laughs> the cannonball is like alive. The it's cannon- like a person. <laughs> there's a person inside the cannonball for some reason. Yeah, they've got more of those uh, horse guys. They, yeah. The guy's riding a thing, but they've got javelins to chase after, and mm-hmm. just a bunch of general explosions and chaos and chicken feathers. And yeah, they open the door, or well. Sarah goes through the door. Hoggle goes through the door. There's no way Ludo could fit through that. Yeah, he just kind of opens. He pulls the side of the house off and just goes inside. Yeah, throws out whoever's inside. And they go up to like this little tower inside of the house and throw the top off. Yep. And they start using it as a vantage point to... And they're, they're pretty... Yeah. They're stuck. I mean, they're surrounded. There's no way if Ludo didn't come around to do what he did... That they could continue from here. I don't, you know, it's a, kind of a dire situation. <laughs> Someone has alerted the Goblin King at this point that they're there. And now he's, you know, he, that's why they're having all these problems is because he sent out all the troops yep. to fight them and stop them. And Ludo yells out. He calls the rocks again. He calls out. Ah, he does it a couple of times and all of a sudden... Boulders come out of everywhere. Every it's it's the the way the city's designed is really cool because it's just like thin corridors between their their like little habitats and stuff like that. So when the boulders are rolling down, you know you see little ones, medium sized ones, and giant ones, but they're all rolling the same direction, like like they have uh, <laughs> independent thought of their own. Like okay, guys, we need to roll this way, Whoosh! you know, and then mowing down goblin it's like magnetism. after goblin. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's really it's a lot of fun. Just seeing that. I see I I like this part. <laughs> yeah. I I like it too. I mean, there really isn't a part of the movie I don't like. Right. But if I had to name a part that I found to be the most difficult for me to watch every time I watched it, it was probably this part. Yeah. The the rocks end up taking out every goblin. Every single goblin is mm-hmm. is mowed over. You know, some of them get run over. There's a bunch of dead goblins now. Sarah's got blood on her hands. <laughs> Goblin blood. And she's ready to go get that baby back. Yeah. Give me my baby back, baby back, baby back. Okay, sorry. And she she just goes it alone at this point, right? They go up to the castle. They run up. And when she gets inside, she basically tells them, I have to do the rest of this myself. <laughs> and they're like, but we want to help you. We're not le- We're not letting you face him alone. And she goes, no, I have to. Sorry, Didymus. So she goes into the castle and she finds the Escher room. It starts going crazy. This, again, I... I know it's a kid's movie. I know it's silly. Who cares? But this scene is so freaking unbelievable. It's amazing. It's unbelievable. Amazing what they do with I, the whole stairways and hallways and the it just the MC. I mean, it's it's straight up MC Escher drawing, except for it's real. Yeah. 
And she's she's looking all over. The baby is crawling around here, following a, a crystal ball. And she is just trying desperately to find him. We see him, like, crawling along the wall and on the ceiling and going up and down stairs. And gravity doesn't seem to matter. Up is yeah. down, down is up. There, David Bowie is singing to her. He basically is, like, trying to make one last plea for this her is, to... Yeah realize the lengths that he's gone to for her mm-hmm. and yeah this song's awesome too your eyes can be so cruel just as i can be so cruel say what is he saying he does the stars for no one <laughs> he says i move the stars for no one i move the stars for no one i could sing this whole everything song but i'm not going to. <laughs> you want everything i've done i've done for you yeah really good no one can blame you for walking away too much rejection. Oh wait, that's the uh that's the song. Cuz how you've how turned to, my world, you precious, precious thing. Yeah. You the starve and near exhaust me. me. Everything I've done, I've done for you. As he's singing this, he's just walking all over the place and he's doing things where he like Walks. I move the stars for no <laughs> <laughs> He walks towards the end of a platform, and then he will flip over to the underside and be walking around like that. And that's another... They did, yeah, behind the scenes, we saw a little bit of that, too. But <laughs> it's, it's really like, cool. crazy. They have, like, <laughs> I really on, like that on a string. Behind the scenes part, because they've got... They keep showing him trying to do the take where he's supposed to... The dummy is supposed to, or he's supposed to walk out of a doorway, and then the dummy is supposed to come up from the underside yeah, or something like underneath that. underneath of, and be facing her and all we, of a sudden. Yeah, we see it done, like, seven times, <laughs> and on the eighth, like, the eighth shot, we see David Bowie sitting back in a corridor smoking a cigarette, like, hey. oh, God, <laughs> when is this going to be over? <laughs> like, yeah, I get it. <laughs> Oh, boy. Let's throw <laughs> this body up again. <laughs> I don't know how to walk any different than I've been walking. <laughs> Hanson, you're killing me. <laughs> I probably wanted to put him, like, on a string and yeah. do it. He's yeah. like, no, I just don't feel comfortable. <laughs> that sounds terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it probably wasn't sturdy enough. Who knows what it was made of, like, to, like, move his weight over the top <laughs> I've styled my dummy. hair. I've put on tights. <laughs> I've done it all for you. Uh, Mr. Bowie, you, you were wearing that when you when you came to set. Uh-huh. <laughs> Nonetheless. <laughs> uh, live without the sunlight. Love without your heartbeat. I can't live within you. Yeah, it's really good. But that's, that's the most... Uh, musical theater song out of the bunch. Yeah, that's the most, like, like narrative, like, powerful... Phantom of the Opera. ...song. David Bowie, I like him better than the music of oh, Phantom no, of the Opera. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, saying, <laughs> I'm not saying I love the Phantom of the Opera. I'm saying it reminds me of the, the way they're, like, singing. Sometimes they'll just sing a, a, a refrain. The craziest thing to me is this isn't the only David Bowie memory I have associated with being a kid. Like, mm. I remember hanging out with my dad once as a kid, and he had his record of young Americans on. 
And it was while I was watching The Cat Returns mm-hmm. on TV. And for some reason, it, like, synced up, like, for mm-hmm. a little bit. And the cat was, like, moving his mouth. And it was like the cat was singing, like, <laughs> Young, Young Americans. <laughs> so, like, when I think of just David Bowie songs, I just think of, like, all these positive... You heard it here first, folks. Just memories. like the uh, Pink Floyd and the Wizard of Oz... The cat returns syncs up to young Americans. That's right. And you don't even have to be on drugs. There's a fa- you, the worst your father would give you is like a payday, right? It's got peanuts. It's good for you. But she is confronting him. And he's standing there saying, this is all, everything is for you don't want your brother. Stay here with me. I will give you everything your heart desires as long as you bow to me. And she starts... Saying the lines that she was saying in the park. Through tales untold and hardships unnumbered, I have fought my way beyond the goblin city to take back the child that you have stolen. And uh, I honestly expected him to be like, <laughs> I don't know what you're saying. Stop <laughs> <that>. <laughs> but he's he's reacting like, uh, this is the lines. Like, no. Do you know what you're doing? Like, I'm serious. I'm going to give you all of your heart's yeah. desires. This is the last You only stand. have to do one thing. Yeah. She's sitting there thinking, I got to get out of this. And he's thinking, maybe if I can just persuade her to change her mind. Yeah. Because um, I think that he loves her in the way that, like, somebody loves their favorite toy or something. Like, a child loves their... Not even with that much affection. He's like, possessive, though. Yes. Yeah. I've got to have her. I, and I, I want the baby, too. I've yeah. had fun in this craziness and stuff like that, but she definitely can't win. So yeah. this is my last card. Yeah. But she says the rest of the line, gets to the point where she forgets, and she forgets again. And, you know, it's like the time is almost up. This is the end right there. She she can never remember this line and then she does. She says, You have no power over me. You have no power over me. And he's like, Ah, crap. <laughs> she remembered what to say. So basically, she gets to go home with the baby. Yep. And he turns into an owl. Yeah. You find out he was the owl that was hanging out in the park before. Probably. Well, we found that out when he was banging on her window oh, in yeah, the beginning, yeah, right? Yeah. yeah. Pervert owl peeking in a window. It was like so long ago. It was a long time ago. (laughs) (laughs) Our podcast is longer than the movie. (laughs) But that's okay. It was like, I feel like what we've we've talked about was like, I I don't know. There's no other way to handle it. It's not, not, that's not the exact end of the movie. I mean, she goes back, she confirms the baby is back in its crib or something like that. It goes Mm -hmm. into her room. Her parents Her parents, yeah. We hear them show up. It could just be all a trick. She's hiding out in her room, looking at all of her stuff and, like, thinking about all the things that she saw in that other world. And she basically sees them in the mirror and tells them that she needs them. And they... <laughs> that part's kind of weird. Where she's like... where I, like, I understand her saying that, but the way Hoggle reacts, like, you do? Like... <laughs> No, Hoggle. Yes. No, she doesn't want to be her girlfriend. Yeah. I do need you, Hoggle. You do? Yes. <laughs> I've already made that I don't clear. have any friends. 
Could you guys be my friends? Yeah. <laughs> and then we have everybody party comes scene. back. They're all back in the room. Dance party. They have a dance party in Sarah's room. A couple of goblins and some of the other creatures we saw. I don't know. The, the guy with the burn on his head's not there. Which are the smaller creatures? Hoggle, Ludo, Denimus. One of the guys from the very beginning, the like, did she say it guy? Oh, in yeah, the yeah. Closet a couple part of those guys, there. too, yeah. Yeah. Mm hmm. Yeah, a bunch of them are there. And they've got like poppers and confetti and. Yep. And then it starts going, hey, now, you're an all star. What? <laughs> no? No. <laughs> It's kind of the proto of that. They didn't actually play a song there. They played the the theme that they had played at the beginning in the opening credits and when she was uh, running along in the rain with the amazing saxophone. Mm -hmm. Okay, that's going to sound terrible. I apologize. (laughs) I'm so sorry. (laughs) We, We have a special affection for saxophone solos we don't actually like them <laughs> but, we think they're funny yeah they're they're a delight to hear because they are like what were you thinking <laughs> so that's the labyrinth yes and we went pretty good in depth in there and i still feel like there's a bunch of stuff we didn't talk about we can't really think about it anymore at this no. point we're, we've talked about all the things that are amazing about it and we've talked about you know a couple of the weird things that seem either dated or childlike or whatever but chances are you've already turned off the podcast so you're not even listening to us talk anyway <laughs> i should edit a little bit no, we were going to edit a little bit don't worry i'm not gonna leave the entire thing how it is uh, i really i hope that you enjoyed what we were talking about we didn't expect it to go like this truthfully this was my pick and I was thinking we weren't going to have anything to talk about because everybody's seen the labyrinth, and we've definitely talked about the labyrinth before. Oh yeah, I I thought we had already talked about everything to do with the labyrinth that we ever would, but as soon as Aaron and you and I started talking about it, it just ended up being a much bigger thing, much yeah. bigger ball of wax than we had anticipated. And there was so much personal stuff that I hadn't even hadn't even occurred to me that was not, not only with Sarah having such a tight relationship with the movie but you know Aaron and I talking about our experiences and you know talking about Jim Henson and the effect that he had on our lives and how thankful we are that he was there yeah i think jim henson has kind of touched all of our lives with sesame street and oh yeah sesame just street ev- everything i, I mean when i think that. of childhood being i mean i don't know if this is international but being a child in america you know sesame street yeah. Who, no matter who you are, you've mm-hmm. seen Sesame Street because it's one of the few things that is still on public broadcast. Well, not anymore. It's not? No. It's moved over to like HBO or Showtime. Are you kidding? No, I'm not kidding. It seriously just did. That's awful. Yeah. It does stink. I, I hope that they make it available for everybody, even if it is just yeah, on that. Yeah. Yeah, up till now, it's always been on PBS, which is in the United States, one of the only stations that everybody was able to get, even without basic cable packages. Yeah, it was one um, of those free stations. So that don't all, exist, ch- that all exist children anymore, yeah. were able to watch Sesame Street up till now. Yeah, and it helped all children too. I think. I mean, maybe that's oh for sure bold of me to state, but I do think that 
it's an educational show that all children uh, have really have really liked. You make those attachment with the characters, and you remember the things that they taught you, the things that you said. Yeah. To emphasize the letters and numbers and, and, and stuff like that. And they use songs and art and other things. Yeah. I just, and I know Labyrinth is a different animal, but I just really think that I'm yeah. so grateful for Jim Henson yeah. and what he created for kids. For sure. So, <clears throat> next week's movie was selected randomly by the randomizer. It's from 1930, and it's called Just Imagine. I don't know anything about this movie. Uh, it is available for free on YouTube if you want to watch beforehand. Uh, we'll be talking about that next week. Aaron should be back, uh, barring any sort of, I don't know, mutation? What happens to Aaron? Sometimes he goes places. I don't know where he is. Have Natural disasters. Yeah. It has been kind of floody over here recently. <laughs> we'll see what happens. Until next week... Thank you very much for listening. We hope that you really liked this episode. Twitter account at Outer Space Pod. You can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page uh, for the Please Don't Send Me an Outer Space Podcast. You could give us a like if you have a chance. Give us a rating on iTunes if you feel charitable. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, if you want to email us about movies you think we should watch, your opinion on Labyrinth and the effect it had on you, Jim Henson, anything at all please send an email to please don't podcast at gmail.com until next week. Have a good one. <laughs> My throat is going out. Bye. Bye. See ya. Bye.